This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're all on stupid stars. Good morning, everybody. My name is Lisa McDonald, and uh, thank you very much for joining me today on another lovely Friday. My show is Carpe Diem, and super duper excited to have my guest today, uh, my friend Rob Proust. And uh, just to give you a little bit of how this came to be with uh, Rob being my guest for today, uh, last Friday, uh, so Easter weekend, I was surprised just out of the blue, I received a, a lovely random uh, Facebook message. Rob and I are Facebook friends. Um, and the message kind of went something like this. It just popped up. Hi, Lisa. Hey, I loved your interview with Gord. Gord Depp, for those who have been following my podcast or been listening to my show live. I had Gordon Depp on my show uh, a few weeks ago now. And Gord and Rob... Uh, used to play together in The Spoons, a Canadian band that has uh, received international acclaim, worldwide fame, gold records. Uh, most people that I know are familiar with The Spoons. And so, anyway, so Rob, you know, being very much a good friend, obviously, brothers with Gord, and having been in the band many, many years ago, uh, had uh, followed up with me to just say how much he enjoyed the interview and uh, asked me if I had the opportunity to go see The Spoons, which which I was invited kindly by Gord uh, as as one of his VIP guests in uh, the VP lounge, and Gord and I got to swap books, which was lovely. And uh, and then Rob proceeded to ask me if, um, or just to mention that they had released a DVD of the concert that they had done together back in November. And uh, and then proceeded to say that he had purchased my ebook version of my second book, Reimburse the Universe, uh, and received it from Amazon and uh, was about to delve into it. So I thought, you know, how lovely and how kind is that? Uh, you know, this is not unlike how I got uh, Gordon Depp to be on my show just out of the blue, inviting me to his Spoons concert in Niagara Falls on March 21st, just randomly out of the blue. Would love to have you, you know, be a guest. And then again, follow up a few weeks later, I get the same kind of kindness extended to me by Rob. And so I thought, you know what? I'm all about paying it forward. I'm all about supporting and plugging and propping people, especially people who just initiate kindness out of the blue, uh, such these two wonderful people have. So I thought to myself, you know, I got to have Rob on my show. So I asked Rob if he would like to be a guest on my show, and to which he obviously was very elated and enthusiastic and very agreeable. So I am going to say uh, right now, thank you very much, uh, Rob. Really a pleasure to have you here joining us today. And uh, Rob is in New York, uh, has been in New York since August 2001, although he hails from Ontario himself. And... Uh, 
there's much going on in Rob's life. What a what a colorful life you lead. Uh, just beautiful from being in the Spoons for five years, starting at the age of 15, having left the group uh, when he was 20 years old, then proceeding on to be a member uh, with Honeymoon Suite, another Canadian band, uh, for three years, and still having done some work with them from time to time. And, uh, and now... Uh, now Rob has been sought out uh, as of the last 15 years. He's been uh, the music associate producer with Mamma Mia and has had his name attached to many, many Broadway hits. I wish I, could say, I wish I could say I was the musical producer, but I'm the musical director. Oh, sorry, but not that mixed up. That's I'm, okay. I'm that's thinking okay. of my producer, Barb Perry. I get the, <laughs> and the producer mixed up. So anyway... Okay. Well, well, I was going to let you just go on because you make me sound you make me sound so good, and I thought, oh my god, this, well, you are you're fantastic. I'm honored to hear you saying all these things. Well, it's it's true, you know, and and what I love about it is you're so humble and you're just so down to earth, and I really enjoyed the conversation that we had uh, the other day. We spoke for about an hour and a half, and sure it did. was just, yeah, it was such a lovely conversation, and to hear many of the things that we share in common from mentors, the types of books that we've gravitated to, where we've received our inspiration, and just our our leash on life, how we embrace life, love life, and that really resonated and came through in our conversation. And uh, I just, I'm just so happy to have you here. You're such a bright light, such a treat to have you. Thank you. Um, you know, I actually, I had read your first book before I even knew you had done the, the podcast, the interview with Gord. Cause oh, I wow. had, uh, yeah, because I had Little Boy Gan. Like I had said to you the other day that I, somebody had mentioned it online and it, and it looked interesting to me. So I, I got that book and I read it. And then it was like definitely weeks later, I don't know how much later that I then was just like looking for something. Because I think you had maybe mentioned that you had a new book coming out. So then I went and found your podcast on iTunes. And I saw Gord and I thought, oh my God, you interviewed Gord. And I thought that was super cool. Because then I thought, of course, it's because of his book as well. So you have something right. in common to discuss then. But yeah. So I was already a fan of yours for ages. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm actually quite blown away by that. You know, it's, uh, I, I really, really appreciate that because when I think of from what we've discussed and just kind of researching you here and knowing a bit about you from before us getting to this point of having you on my radio show, I mean, you are chronically busy and you're, <laughs> you know, you're, you're plugged into so many things and you're assisting so many other musical artists with writing material. Well, and- I've always, I guess I've always just liked to be working on different projects. But I'm also, the, I would be the last person to say that I'm always busy, but I kind of am always busy. Mm-hmm. But some, but somehow I, I, I like to do things and yet sort of maintain like this sort of, um, like, like, uh, I would almost say like a passive, there's a passiveness to, to my busyness, which I don't even know what that means. Um, <laughs> because I've been working on the same show. Like, I mean, I've been working on Mamma Mia now for 15 years. I started That's with the show in Toronto. And so, we actually just got uh, word last night that the show is going to close here in New York in, uh, on September the 5th. Really? That's my son's birthday. Happy birthday and goodbye, Mamma Mia. Goodbye, Mamma Mia. And I think it's also Freddie Mercury's birthday, um, one of wow. my all-time heroes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, so I've been involved with the show for 15 years and starting in Toronto and then starting coming to New York in 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess I've I've – been able to do that show and, and I've loved doing the show so much, but it's also enabled me to be able to pursue a lot of other projects as mm-hmm. well while continuing to do Mamma Mia. 
And that's, you know, and, and that's fantastic. I mean, I can't even believe the ride that you've had with that. I'm sure it's quite surreal for you. Um, and I'm sure every show is a different show, like, you know, yeah. same material and whatnot, but I'm sure you get something new out of it each and every time that, you know, we really, do, I really do. And I think that the cast does as well. And like, it's funny to, so often people in the audience, like when I'm conducting the show. And so when I conduct the show, I'm sitting right in the front row playing the piano and mm-hmm. surrounded by the audience. It was always, their intention was always to have the band right so that the audience could, could see what we were doing because Benny and Bjorn from ABBA, they always wanted the music to sort of be a featured part of the show because the show is kind of based around their songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but people in the audience, I would always want to like, I'd like chat them up before the show. Like I love to know who's around me, like people from all over the world. But so often somebody would say, so what, what else? you do like they couldn't believe that i'm actually coming to play these songs at night that they think i certainly must have a real job that i'm coming that i'm doing in the daytime <laughs> and then coming here in the evening you know right well and I, I was always happy to say well no actually this is what i do and like i've kind of played music my whole life long and, and this is this is our job and this is the thing we are mm-hmm. here to do well you've been playing since you were five years old is that correct it sure is now tell me how you got introduced to all of that how did you and and how why that instrument specifically uh, we had a piano in the house, thanks to my grandfather. My dad, uh, pl- my dad is a guitar player and he sings as well, but he plays piano a little bit as, as well. So mm-hmm. my grandfather had bought a piano for my dad and this was in the early seventies and it was just sitting in the living room. And one day I went up to the piano. I mean, I'm sure there were moments before this that they may have tried to get me to the piano, but this is the most distinctive memory that I have at the piano. Mm-hmm. Um, was going up to it and playing this this melody from this TV show. Which TV show? Well, let me play the melody and then okay. see if you can see if you can guess it. So, me at five years old, I guess my hand was probably just about level with the keyboard, and I went. So the clue Love is that it. it's definitely huh? Spark knows. <laughs> so so it was this kids show called The Banana Splits. Yes. And it's a nice pentatonic melody. And so for me, just like not knowing anything, I just kind of like, like sort of picked that out by myself. And so I think my parents said, Oh my God, let's try to see if we can find a teacher for him. And my mother always tells me that it was hard to find any teacher who would like want to teach a five year old. Who would want to teach a five year old today? Nobody. Um, but, but she found a nice lady in Burlington and I actually studied with her for uh, like 12 years, I guess. Until wow. well, until I was in the spoons as well, um, and and I still have all these books that she had written for me. Like, and it's a really cool thing to me to like see from when I was six years old all the exercises that she had written out for me, and and every week I would go for my lessons, and and that was kind of how it all began. Fantastic. And do you still uh, keep in touch with her? I'm sure she tracks you if she's still. Oh that. well, no, she passed away back in the 1980s. I think. She was pretty. When I started taking lessons with her, I think maybe she took me because I was just another, I was another student for her. But, you know, I, I, I have so much love for her still because she's the one that introduced me to it all. And she's the first one that got me over. Well, I guess I never had stage fright because I'd never been on stage before, but she would do piano recitals every year and at Port Nelson Church in Burlington. Mm-hmm. And she'd like, you know, Sunday afternoon, all her students would get together and play the songs and I would have to practice with her, like walking onto the stage and practice bowing and stuff. It was crazy. (laughs) 
That's amazing. Well, I'm sure for what she was around to see, I'm sure she was very proud of you. And I uh, guess she was. I mean, you know what's funny, though? She really discouraged me from learning pop music. And I kind of thank her for that. Because when I was uh, like like eight years old, I wanted to learn The Entertainer. Because remember the movie The Sting had come out and yeah. Marvin Hamlish had that on the radio. And that was like one of my first clues to thinking that maybe I wanted to just like never stop listening and playing music. And mm-hmm. as soon as I heard a piano on the radio, I thought, oh, my God, what is going on? So my mother ordered the sheet music for me and I learned it myself. So, I mean, it was hard for me at that little age to go... So I learned this whole song. And Love I, it. And I was so nervous, and I took it to my piano teacher and, like, played it for her. And she said, oh, Robbie, that's much too advanced for you. Let's let's get you a simplified version so that you can, you know, really? learn how to play it. Yeah. So she made me go to get this, the sheet music for the simpler version. And I don't always remember taking that home and, and playing it and going, this is this doesn't sound like the right thing. Like, this is totally not right. Mm-hmm. So, so from that point on, I kind of decided I was going to leave my pop songs to myself. So mm-hmm. I kind of had these these two worlds happening at the same time. So I would go to her for my Royal Conservatory grades, like I studied through up through like grade nine in the piano studies. Uh, and then I would go home and I would learn how to play Elton John songs and Queen songs and stuff like that. Fantastic. And, and those two worlds were always kind of separated. And then when I was in the Spoons, at one point, I remember bringing her a cassette of Arias and Symphonies, like after we'd done the album and stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I was said to her, well, I've been in this band and we did this record. And I don't even know if she ever actually listened to it, but... I'm sure she did. Maybe. I'm sure she did. But what's lovely is it sounds to me at a very young age you you aspire to raise the bar for yourself very high. And I love that because and, – and what I love about your energy, Rob, is, you know, you're just so passionate. You exude it. I mean, you exude it in your posts. You exude it – I mean, when we talked on the – the phone, it was like, like pop, 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 bang, bang, bang. Like it was just, you know, like it was, it was like eating a box of nerds. Oh boy. And, um, so anyway, I, uh, I would love to hear a little bit about all the shows that you've done. I mean, if you sure. want the shows that you've done, how this all came to be from going from Toronto and Mamma Mia and going to New York and the timing in which you got there. Because one of the first things that we did talk about when we got on the phone was given that you moved to New York August 2001, we talked yeah. about your story and my story related to 9-11. Yeah. Well, getting to New York really was thanks to Mamma Mia, first of all, because, mm-hmm. uh, because I had, I mean, I'm now that I, now that Mamma Mia is coming to an end, actually on September 5th, um, mm-hmm. I can now close this chapter. Although I can never get away from Mamma Mia. Like, I mean, why would I want to, first of all, because it's been in my life since I was 10 years old. I mean, the song itself. Mm-hmm. But really coming to New York with the show is like, like just the end of another chapter in my life, I guess, because I sort of had done about 10 years of shows in Toronto before I started Mamma Mia. And so in Toronto, I did Phantom of the Opera. Like I subbed on Phantom and then I played uh, on the first Canadian tour of Phantom traveling across the country for a couple of years. And then in Toronto, I did Miss Saigon and I did Beauty and the Beast. And then I was involved with a show called Blood Brothers. And then I stepped on some other shows like Tommy and some touring things that came through. But then I was on the, on the road with Cats in the United States in 1999. And I got, and we had just actually got our closing notice for this tour. It was the end of Cats. It had been on the road for like 13 years at that point. Mm-hmm. And, um, we had just found out that the tour was going to close at the end of this, at the end of 1999. And then I got this phone call out of the blue from this man named Edward G. Robinson, not the actor, um, who said, I'm going to be coming to Toronto to work on this new musical. 
called Mamma Mia. And um, you've been recommended to me because I'm looking for an assistant who is who can play rock piano, rock and roll piano kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I said, oh, really? <laughs> okay. Um, and so then I thought about it, and we decided that I was going to meet him in New York in the in early 2000. And in the meantime, I've been thinking about like this job and would I really want to do it because I'm I'm not a conductor and I've I've always played in orchestras and played in the pits, and I've never really had the desire to actually music direct a show. But because he wanted me to be his assistant, I kind of thought, okay, I'll take the chance. And he said, I would love for you to do it because I think this will be a good opportunity for you. And so I said yes. And 15 years later, I am glad I said yes. Fantastic. Yeah, and it worked out great. So then I was involved with the show in Toronto in the beginning. And I always consider our Toronto production to be like we were like the guinea pig for the world in a way because because the show had been running in London for just about a year at that point. And I went to London to see the show before we started in Toronto because I had no idea what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. And I sat in the pit and I watched a week of rehearsals and stuff so that I was prepared when we came to Toronto. But in Toronto, all the creative people were wanting to now set the template for a North American version. And they let the cast sort of like re rethink some of the dialogue so that it sounded more natural to them. And we restaged a couple of the numbers. So I was I was kind of involved with all that stuff as well. And it was just super cool, like super fun. Mm-hmm. And so then I did the show in Toronto for like a year, and then I, I got involved with the touring production, which led to them asking me to come to New York. And so the timing worked out good that I came to move to New York in August of 2001, which was just when we began rehearsals for the show. How long and boring was that story about Mamma Mia? <laughs> it's beautiful. Keep going. Really? No. Yeah. You'll keep um, going. So, so that's where we started. So tell us New York. You you find you're in New York. You've transplanted yourself in New York. It's August yeah. 2001. Yeah. And and I, lo- um, and I loved New York already at that point because I had been in New York many times over the years. We with the Spoons we recorded Romantic Traffic and Tell No Lies in New York. Mm-hmm. And so and I I'd, I'd come to visit over the years. I saw George Michael play here in 1988, which was super cool. I saw him at Madison Square Garden. Um, awesome. And I'd been actually for some for some workshoppy kind of things. I was in I was going to these things by this place called the Omega Institute, and they do they would do these weekend seminar things. And I heard some amazing people speak. Like uh, this was the first time that I ever heard of Rumi, the poet Rumi, and um, Maya Angelou spoke and all these different people. So I have all these New York stories just visiting and loving awesome. it. So, so actually getting to move here was crazy because I thought, oh, this is great. Uh, am I talking way too fast? No, this is perfect. Can you can you very speed me down? No, this is you being you. I love the energy. Oh, it's awesome. Okay. You're, you know, you're, you're talking, you're infused with passion, you love what you do, and, do. Uh, and it comes through. So keep that going. And so... Are you comfortable kind of dabbling on the fact, um, just because of the piece that connects to Mamma Mia at yeah. post 9-11, um, that whole little story? What that oh was? Oh my god, yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, it, the morning of September 11th was, was, uh, we were in rehearsals for the show. At that point, we had been rehearsing for a couple of weeks. And I got up that morning and was just getting ready to go down to, to our 10 a.m. rehearsal and heard, had the radio on it. They said, well, there's reports that a, that a small plane has hit the World Trade Center, and we have, don't have any other details. And and I thought, well, that's weird, but, you know, I'm going to work, I'm going to rehearsal, and we, we are all just doing what we do. So I got on the subway, and I lived up on the Upper East Side at that time, and I was heading downtown, and I got to, we were rehearsing right near Union Square at 14th Street. And I came up out of the subway, 
and people were sort of mumbling a little bit on the subway about what was happening and nobody really knew. But I came up and I saw the towers with my own eyes and it was the strangest thing because they were both smoking and I mean, everybody knows the story, of course, now and everybody has known the story, but I didn't own a TV at that time. So I didn't really know much about it all, but I saw the towers and I had the instinct for the thought for one moment to like grab a camera and, and from a smoke shop and take a photograph, like with an instamatic camera. But mm-hmm. then I thought, I'm sure I'm going to see this again. Like this is probably going to be on the news later, um, which was my understatement of the lifetime. Right. And, and so then I went to rehearsal and we, there was a few people at rehearsal and basically we just kind of had the radio blaring and we're listening to news reports because nobody knew what was happening. And so we, the, there was four of us from Canada in New York to do the show at the time, uh, three actors and myself. And we were actually called to rehearsal that day because the rest of the cast was going to record some vocals for the show in a recording studio. So they weren't going to be downtown, fortunately, luckily for them. But there was just a handful of us that were at the, at the rehearsal studio. And we kind of sat around and didn't know what to do. We realized, I remember our director, Philida, at one point we were rehearsing. And she said, you know what, we're, this is stupid. What are we doing? Let's just go. So I had to walk, I walked home up Lexington Avenue, like through the city. And it was, it was like a very calm, strange feeling in the city because everybody was just kind of wandering away from it all, like, like kind of migrating away, you know, mm-hmm. and the streets were, there was no traffic and the streets were just filled with people walking away. And so I walked home and it was, yeah, it was bizarre. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next day we gathered in the rehearsal studio. I mean, we, we got right back at it. I mean, nobody knows what to do in a situation like this. We didn't know, I didn't know that it was, this was a, a worldwide event that had been seen by everybody. And we all just knew that we were doing this thing. And so we got called to rehearsal the next day and we all kind of just sat there. Mm-hmm. It, it was like, like a circle sort of, it just talked about it. Right. And like, like sort of expressed feelings and thoughts about it. And we all sort of were convicted. We had conviction to say, well, we are now here for a reason because this show is going to sort of tip the balance, mm-hmm. bring people back, like, like to, to remember that it's okay to go out and have a good time and stuff. Absolutely. And that's what we did. So, and, and I think we were really like the first Broadway, the first Broadway show to re to open after September 11th. So I, I always look at our show and I think, well, we are, a, it's really Mamma Mia is a turn of the century show because it began in 1999 and mm-hmm. we opened after September 11th. So we've crossed, we've crossed an evolutionary divide in the world. Beautiful. I love that. That's why I wanted you to tell that story primarily because, mm. uh, you know, there's always brightness that comes out of darkness and, yeah. uh, you just, you have to prevail and, you know, you can't live in fear, right? You right. can't just lock yourself up in your home. You, well, like, exactly, you absolutely. And especially for us, I mean, as, as the cast and as the, 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 all the creative people, we all, I mean, you re, you re question, you question everything in your life when something like that happens and you think, what, what is the meaning of all this? Like, what are we doing? And we realize mm-hmm. this is what we do. Mm-hmm. So you do it, and mm-hmm. it certainly has has proved to be uh, a valuable thing for us as, as human beings, being able to do the show and people coming to New York to see the show. I mean, New York has has always been a tourist destination, but it became to me it became sort of a I don't know what the word is, but not voyeuristic, but like like a morbid tourist destination for a while because everybody wants to come and see Ground Zero, which right. you know of course I understand that, but mm-hmm. I think for for those of us that are here and who lived it, we feel a little more. We feel like it's it's our family, but you know, right. people want to come to New York and take pictures with policemen and firemen, and, and that's right. it's great. But but I think for us, we just want to go on and and kind of make Absolutely. people happy. So, 
Well, I'll just quickly speak to that because I don't want to turn this into a 9-11 program. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I, but I do, I, I brought that up because of the timing in which you arrived there and what you yeah, had sure. to grapple with and, yeah. you know, and the, and the choices that you made to go on and, and choose to live life and, yeah. and get on with the show. Basically, you got on with Absolutely. the show. Absolutely. Well, I, I feel honored. I mean, I feel so fortunate to have been here because my perspective on everything about that day and what has transpired since gives me a different perspective. I, I will take proud ownership of the fact that I was here on mm-hmm. that day and that I, I see, I've seen the world change since then. And yet I was here as if it happened in my own backyard, you know, yeah. in that way. And then I know the responsibility that we as artists have to to work with those, with, with those kind of situations and yet still do what we do. I mean, of course, a lot of people these days say that there's not enough political voices in music and in the arts. And of course that's true, but then things turn around in that way as well in terms of people not wanting to hear things, you know, so there's, there's a little censorship, censorship and self-censorship that comes into play. And a balance. But yeah. We have to find a balance in it all really. So. Yeah. Well, and I'll just quickly say, going back to what you said about, you know, the, the voyeuristic and, and, you know, people coming and, and wanting their pictures taken. I told you, I shared with you my story. I'll just briefly hit upon it. So, mm-hmm. um, so I had for my 30th birthday, uh, my birthday being in December, but because of the, uh, the job that I held at the time, it took a while for me to get a temporary replacement to fill me in so that I could go and be treated by my family to my 30th birthday in New York. And um, so I was actually supposed to celebrate my 30th birthday dinner in Windows of the World at the restaurant one of the towers. And um, so it was, you know, it was a very strange feeling to have been there because it was, you know, for all the things that you had heard about New York and the vibrancy and the energy and uh, obviously very clearly it was not that and it was you know four days before Christmas when my actual birthday was and you know so I took the double-decker bus and I went to uh, lower Manhattan went to Battery Park where of course people recalling all the footage would see those streets where all the plumes of smoke had traveled down yeah. and what was interesting is you know all, you know all the the missing picture posters were up all the um, teddy bears and the flowers and the candles everything still stood intact and you know i felt very uncomfortable being there because i was there basically as a tourist uh but didn't want to come across as a tourist i I took very few pictures and and when i did bring out the camera it was with nobody watching i didn't want anybody to see me and I, i don't even really publicize those pictures i don't even really make mention of the pictures too much but what was interesting for me it was a perspective i mean because of course with all the 9 11 footage and everything that's come out of that day and how that's transformed history and changed our world um when i was sitting on the park bench waiting to be picked up by the double decker bus to take me back to my hotel room i was there it was so quiet like i really honestly there was nobody around um but i was met by um a pretzel vendor uh gentleman he had his cart he was coming out and he was positioned right beside me by the uh, bench i was sitting on and so we struck up a conversation and I said to him, you know, do you mind me asking, did you happen to be here on that particular morning? Of course, you don't even have to say what morning it was. We all know. And he said to me, to be honest with you, this is just me a few days coming out of seclusion. You know, a lot of people obviously still have post-traumatic stress disorder. And he said to me, um, 
what was unfolding for everybody in New York on that day, um, he said, we, we were in the throes of it and, you know, we weren't privy to TV. There was, everything was shut down. Everything was off air. And he said, what, what we thought was happening to us that morning, we thought was anarchy, anarchy and was happening all around the world. Right. And that perspective has never left me. And so yeah. when, you know, when the anniversary comes around or any discussion comes around uh, highlighting that day or that event, I always think back to that uh, pretzel vendor gentleman and, mm. you know, how that's impacted people's lives. But anyway, yeah. having said that, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad to hear what you and the cast and everybody on the show did in terms of, uh, you know, turning what you could into a positive. Yeah. And the cr- I mean, the crowds in the beginning of the show, I mean, were were unbelievable because r- really I can only imagine that it was probably the, the the first tourists coming back to New York after September 11th. I think in the beginning we kind of wondered, oh my God, is anybody going to come to New York? And, I mean, all the arts communities were were sort of questioning, you know, the future at that point because mm-hmm. because we opened well we opened on October 18th, so uh, we had previews before that, so it was you know not long after, less than a month really. Mm-hmm. So. The audiences were so amazing, and, and it made us happy to think, oh, yeah, people are people are diving right into it, so it's great. Right. Lovely. I'm glad that it was embraced that way. Yeah. And um, and I want to thank you, too. You, you posted, you uploaded a lovely link to my page, um, which is a piece that you worked on. You you, you did the video. And oh, of course, yeah. You know, we're on radio, so people can't see the video, mm-hmm. but we are later going to upload the link for people if they want to see it. Yeah. And you did... Um, you. You wrote a piece for your friend Brian Young? Well, no, actually, this is a piece. This is Brian Johnson's music. So Brian, oh, Brian Johnson, sorry. Yeah. So Brian <laughs> is a cast member of Mamma Mia. He actually just left the show like a week ago. He had been in the show for 10 years. Okay. And his timing was right. He must have had a premonition that the show was going to be closing. But he has been recording some music over the years, and this was his latest song. that He, he wrote the song, actually, quite a while ago. But he's he's finally decided to actually do a proper version of it, and so um, our guitar player at the show, Jeffrey Lee Campbell, is a producer as well, a record producer. So he had was working on the song with Jeffrey, and he had asked me to play keyboards. And our bass player Paul Adamy played the bass, and just some some former cast members came and sang, and we were all just so in love with this song, and it's I thought it was so good playing the piano on it. And I so he he has it on available on Bandcamp to purchase. And which is great. But I said to him, you know, you really should have a video because a lot of times today people discover music kind of just clicking on YouTube and hitting yeah. play on YouTube. So whether you watch something or not, it's just such an easy, easy access. So I said to him, I'm going to make you a video. So I made a video for the song and I grabbed a bunch of public domain footage from I mean, I didn't know what I was going to do. It just mm-hmm. it sort of revealed itself as I was making it. And I'm pretty happy with the way it turned out. I think it's really cute and silly. But really, I just wanted people to be able to hear the song. Well, I think uh, Barb here, the, my producer, she's going to put a clip on here. So Excellent. We a couple of minutes uh, of of the song. And, of course, I think the video itself is like about four minutes, but uh, at least we'll get a taste of it. Cool. Okay. Oh 
times i just love the vibe i love the melody i love the lyrics and i love the video that goes with that so I, creative I, just, I love the song so much and one of my friends posted on facebook and said oh i love his voice it reminds me of it's like a cross between lou rawls and gino vanelli wow which is a like a wicked yeah. unheard of combination right <laughs> so no i've clicked on that many times i absolutely love it and right. uh I, I really encourage people to click on that. What, it, what is it called? What it, just give you give people some information again. Uh, the song is called Love One Another. And yeah. The singer is Brian Johnson, B-R-Y-A-N Johnson. And, mm-hmm. if, and if you go to YouTube, it's, it'll probably come up. And it's also on Vimeo.com as well. Okay. So I put the video out there. And then he's on Bandcamp as well. For, to, if you want to buy the song, it's on Bandcamp. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, I really encourage people to to tune into that because I love the video that goes with that. It's such a a nice coupling. It's beautiful. It, it worked into a lot of like people dancing across the century. Like I sort of found these old old footage of people dancing in the 1920s, and it looks like 50s kind of stuff. And then definitely some some 70s kind of footage of of a young boy playing the piano with his mother beside him. And I just mm-hmm. it just worked out really kind of cool. Like you know, sometimes I, if I'm working creatively. You, I don't really know what's going to happen, but you have to just start somewhere, and then it, it kind of becomes clear. Wonderful. So, and um, and so, 
what I'd like to also talk about, too, is you're doing some writing right now with Carol Pope. Is that correct? Yeah, well, yes, we've written, we've been writing over the years. We have been friends here in New York. Uh, we, I ran into her randomly in 2002. Mm-hmm. So it turns, it turns out that she had just moved to New York right around the same time that I had in, uh, well, I think she came here like a little later in 2001. And I was in a store one day and I saw her there. And I said, oh, my God, that's Carol Pope. And I, so I went and said hello to her. And I said, you may not remember. You probably don't remember me, but you remember my band because we had met years ago at, like, some Canadian award shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I just said, well, you know, if you ever want to hang out or do some music sometime, let me know. And so I gave her my number. And she called me one day. And so then we just – we had been become friends ever since then. And she now lives in Los Angeles. She has been back and forth between L.A. and New York over the years. But the times that she's been in New York, we've written we've written some songs together over the years, mm-hmm. and um, really, like I'm really proud of the work that we did together. She wrote a song, as, one of the songs that we wrote, she wanted it to be a duet with Rufus Wainwright, mm-hmm. and so we wrote the song called Landfall, which ended up being the title of her last album as well. Beautiful. We, yeah, we recorded it a few years ago, and I think I'm going to make a video for that next. Actually, I saw her the other day, and we were talking about it because she's re-releasing the album and the single. I think on vinyl either as an EP or as an album. But mm-hmm. I told her, I said, same thing I said to Brian. I said, you want to just have something that people can look at. And I, and I, I sort of like the challenge of making these videos and stuff like that. So. Oh, fantastic. So yeah, Carol and I have some other projects that we're working on as well. Like, um, she, now that she's in LA, she's, she's doing a lot of different things up in Canada still as well. I may be playing up, maybe doing a show up in Toronto with her, in the summertime that we're sort of in talks about now and it's nothing's been officially nailed down, but I'm hoping mm-hmm. it can work out. So to Why go and play. Yeah. That would be fantastic. Totally. And, and the one thing that uh, you had mentioned too, when we were talking on the phone is that, um, I don't know, I'll let you talk about it, about one of the things that you, you know, have envisions that you would love to do in terms of having a, possibly a, a benefit concert. Yeah, in, in Burlington. Um, yeah. I'm thinking about it, yeah, because my 50th birthday is coming up in September. Wow, the yep. big Life change, another, I'm hitting the half century, and I thought, okay, well, i got to do something to mark this occasion. Uh-huh. Um, and, and no so, doubt you will. Well, yeah, and I don't know what exactly, like, but I, I had thought maybe I would, would try to do something in Burlington and, and organize a concert and maybe get a bunch of my friends together, like people that I've, I've done music with over the years, whether it be some spoons or some honey with sweet people and maybe some of my friends from the world of theater mm-hmm. and just, you know, whoever and, and just make it a big, a big celebration of music because I feel like I've played with and I've done so many different types of things with so many different people that it would be fun to just play this wide range of stuff. Like, like I could play a honeymoon sweet song and then play songs for Phantom of the Opera. That would be awesome. Be this weird juxtaposition of music. But I, I feel like my, our generation, we've grown up loving this wide variety of music because we heard it all. I mean, I, I always feel like those years of my childhood listening to the radio and hearing country music and funk music and pop music. And, and then, of course, I listened to classical music from my piano studies as well. And mm-hmm. that wide assortment of stuff, I love it all. And, and so I'm kind of like a music nerd in that way. But I, I never want to not, I never want to limit myself to saying I'm only doing this one thing, so. Right. Um, so your contractor's in the background. <laughs> ah, you hear him? Oh yeah. Okay, wait, I'm gonna go step outside. <laughs> it's so our kitchen, it's, it's new kitchen oh, I cabinets. Know. I know. That's okay, that's fine. This is, this is real life. This is what unfolds, right? People's lives. Uh, yep. this is what happens when you're, you're going live <laughs> from your home. Yeah, so. I'm moving away from them. 
so um so come September 5th with that being the last show yes. you know are, are you even at the point of grappling or or contemplating what you might want to do next I mean are there um, other things that have kind of been on the back burner because of the time commitment that's involved with all your other projects and Mamma Mia specifically anything well, else that appeals to you well there's everything appeals to me like I mean I mean I've I've always been open to doing all kinds of things and yet because Mamma Mia has been this one consistently consistent thing in my life i've i've done these other things but now i feel like okay now i'm gonna really turn my attention more to these other things even more so because mm-hmm. because i i need to and because now the things that i've wanted to do i'm able to do so right. there's definitely some 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 solo musical projects that i've wanted to do that I, i've been i've been thinking about them for a while and sort of like they've been bubbling under sort of in my brain mm-hmm. and i think they're they're going to now come to the forefront and, and just get going on them so Wonderful. And there's there's always there's always projects with with Gord and Sandy and the Spoons as well. Like we've we've always loved getting together to do stuff whenever we can. Mm-hmm. And who knows, maybe we can do more work together as well. And how often do you get to see them? Well, we all got together at Christmas time, and we had a nice uh, we had a family dinner in Burlington. It was really great. Um, yeah. yeah, all of our spouses and and girlfriends and everything. We all got together because we had just played a show together in November. Mm-hmm. In Toronto, we did a great show at the Mod Club. This is the one that they've, that Gord has just released on a DVD as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we got together and we, we talk, like we email quite often. And I wouldn't say we see each other a lot because I'm down here in New York, but we've always had the intention of, you know, this, this is an ongoing conversation with music that we have. And right. when our, when we're able to focus on it and make it something, make it, make it a priority, it's a really great thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm sort of looking forward to maybe doing even more of that as well because I think Gord is, is such a fantastic guy and yeah, I mean he is. such as I mean I can speak to speak about him like as a brother but as mm-hmm. a collaborator as well and it's it's crazy the stuff that we've done together you know and I think about it and I think we it's not finished yet so no the story never ends no it never does it never ends there's these and, full cycle uh, full circle sort of stories that happen sometimes well I I mean I trace them in my life like. With Mamma Mia and the fact that I, I played the song when I was ten years old in a, in my one of my first bands, mm-hmm. and we we only ever played what was on the radio, because um, you know whatever was top forty that's all we wanted to play. But Mamma Mia was on the radio at the time, so I had this recording of myself playing it just when I was ten years old, and so then all those years I later, saw I, that. I saw <laughs> that. That's it's ridiculous. Great. Um, but then all those years later to get the opportunity to, to play the song in a show. And I, re- and I remember when I was first listening to all the old ABBA songs again and thinking, oh, my God, this actually is part of the reason why I even wanted to be in a band was listening to Benny Anderson playing all his cool keyword parts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when, when I played you that piece of music that, uh, f- that the first thing that I did when I was five, that theme yeah. from the Banana Splits. So yeah. then I'm in New York. And I met the man who actually wrote that song, and he's become a, a friend really? and a collaborator as well. His name is Mark wow. Barkin. Yeah, Mark had just turned 80 years old last year. Wow. And um, he wrote the theme for the Banana Splits. So when I met him, I said, this is ridiculous to actually meet you because you are actually the reason that I kind of even had the inspiration to try to play piano in the first place, which wow. is weird. But we've written some really nice songs together as well. And uh, we actually had a song recorded by a singer from Estonia last year. Hmm. And she's up, she lives in New York, but she has a bit of a recording career and like she's, she's releasing music over there as well. So she really liked one of the songs that we wrote and so she's done that. Well, that's lovely. Yeah. 
Now, do you have any inclinations to write a memoir or an autobiography, anything that uh, chronicles your life and your story? Because it's been such a journey for you. <laughs> I've, th- I've thought of it, especially I had actually thought of it before Gord published his too. And then when I read his, it made me see that it's definitely possible to have a story to tell. I mean, we've, we've led, lived these fortunate lives and these really um, – these journeys that we've been on, it's, it's been kind of amazing. And, and sometimes I think, yeah, it'd be fun to write it down. I mean, if, if only for myself first or for my family and, mm-hmm. and at least have it as a document, you know? Absolutely. So it's possible. Yeah. I've well, definitely, I, I would, I would definitely be interested in purchasing a copy and coming <laughs> would to you? signing. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've led such a fascinating life and, um, you know, I just, I love the spirit in which you talk about how passionate you are with your life and all the wonderful things that have unfolded and the people that continually show up in your life and crossing paths and people who are instrumental. And yeah. And and that's one of the, one of the things that I've, I've always tuned into is the, is the passing, the crossing of paths with people, because I feel like we, I've collaborated with people and I always hate saying goodbye to people too. Like, like saying goodbyes is, is a, is a hard thing for me. And I remember when I was with the Spoons, we worked with this producer, Nile Rogers, who was like a big time 80s producer. And he's still like one of the most influential musical music writers and producers. But when we finished our recording sessions and I remember saying goodbye and thinking, if th- we're not saying goodbye because we're going to see each other again. And this is just goodbye for this is, uh, you know, goodbye for now. Farewell and, for now. That's right. Yeah, because we've we've stayed friends over the years and we've, we've done other work together as well. Um, and I feel that way with everybody. The, the original music director of Mamma Mia in London, his name was Martin Lowe. And so I first met Martin 15 years ago, and I learned the show from him. Because when I watched him in London, he was a part of the, actually putting the show together from, from nothing. And my, he was my greatest inspiration on the show. And every time I do the show, I think of him like – like his his enthusiasm, he like like he just loved this music so much that he decided I'm going to be the piano player on this show. And even if I'm the music director, I want all the cool, fun piano parts to play. So all of us, Mamma Mia music directors, have Martin to thank for that, for him wanting to play the piano parts. He really wanted to be he wanted to be the one to go on Dancing Queen to go um, do all that cool stuff, you know. Awesome. Um, so then we've stayed friends over the years, and then he asked me to come and collaborate with him on this musical called Once. And Once was based on a film that was uh, an Irish film that came out in 2006 or seven, And we, we did it off-Broadway in 2011, and then it came to Broadway in 2012. And so th- that's one of those connections and collaborations that I feel like Martin and I, even though we only met at the beginning of Mamma Mia, and we never worked together, actually, but we always just we're friends and until that moment that the time was right and we got to do this great thing together so and one racked up a lot of awards yeah we think we won like 12 tony awards or something that's crazy crazy. yeah phenomenal and so you know one of the one of the things that i often ask all of my guests especially for people who have endeavored and dabbled in so many different things uh and have had so many wonderful experiences and collaborations what what one thing, if, there, if you can narrow it down, um, resonates with you as being uh, a real crystal moment for you in terms of, wow, that changed my life, or uh, I'll never forget that, or, you know, that just kind of epitomizes where I'm at, where I'm meant to be, um, and how I love my life. What, what would that be for you if you can, if you can narrow that down? Um, let me think about that for one second. Yeah. I, have, I, I had I have a 
funny I'm sure there's a few. I'm sure there's more than one. But if, if there's one that continuously resonates with you, like when you have a moment where everything's just aligned and, you know, you just you think, wow, what a great production. What a wonderful cast of people. I can't believe I'm living in New York. I can't believe this has happened. I've had all the experiences. But when you when you look at the tapestry of your life and you, you think back on all the things that are interwoven and, and interconnected, is, is there anything that's at the crux of it that just – stand out for you that speaks to it all? You answered it with everything you just said. You answered the question. <laughs> all those okay. wow, I can't, yeah, all those wow, I can't believe it. I mean, I've had, a, I've, my whole life has been sort of filled with wow, I can't believe it. But they come with, with me making music. So I sometimes just get so excited listening to music. I mean, it's, it's kind of silly sometimes that, that I'll hear something and, and instantly I'm like the, the world's biggest fan for, for this or that, you know, musician or band or whatever. And I feel the same way with, with books that I read and there's authors that I've loved. Um, but I guess just being open to, I guess I'm not trying to impose myself on, on the world or on other people. I want to, to see what somebody else can offer in some way. Mm-hmm. And, and then I guess by, by listening to somebody else, I'm able to give something as well. I don't know what, like, it's kind of hard to explain. But you know what, this weird, oh, hold on, you can hear them again, can't you? That's okay. I can, <laughs> I can hear you better than I can hear them. Oh, you can? Yeah. Well, this, this, this is like the weirdest story that I always kind of remember when I was probably like 10 years old. I remember being in a store once, like in a drugstore, buying some candy or something, and I was in line, and there was a man in front of me, and then... I went to buy this stuff and I didn't have enough money. And like, I was like, like seven cents short or something. And I remember this man behind me going, Oh, here's seven cents for you. And I was so blown away by this guy just like, like sort of helping me out in that way. Mm-hmm. And I never, and it's such a silly little thing, but I never forgot that. And somehow that sits in my mind. Like I'm, I want to be able to just offer something to somebody else. I don't really like, I mean, it kind of comes back to you, you know, like, Oh, it does. Yes. One of my favorite things to do with, with cast members in Mamma Mia over the years has been to, to work with them on auditions, playing other music and stuff. And it's not something that I've done, um, in my life as like a, like as a full time sort of thing, but it's always been a fun challenge for me to learn to play other music and work on things with them. And I, I always just say, I'm happy, like, let's just get together as friends and just play this music because it's good for you and it's good for me. And I always, um, it's just something that I love to do. Mm-hmm. And it, I guess it's it's kind of like reading your book and reaching out to you. We are all kind of in this together. Whatever it is that we do or whatever we have to share, mm-hmm. we come together in that way. Absolutely, I I I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And um, and so when you talk about that story about being in the lineup and being seven cents <laughs> short, yeah. and that, that gentleman behind you, you know, yeah. giving you giving you the money so you could get your candy, you know. It, there's nothing silly about that because, you know, it's usually the the small gestures of kindness that resonate with the biggest messages in our hearts and in our yeah. lives. And and knowing that that stuck with you, that generosity, that unexpected kindness, is exactly how I felt when you reached out to me, you know, mm. and and just popping up and saying, you know, I've, I've ordered your book on Amazon and, you know, I love it. And, you know, I, I couldn't believe that. And yeah. So that very much would be synonymous with what you're describing with the gentleman behind you giving you the seven cents. <laughs> right. And, and I wouldn't say that, but I wouldn't say it also, it's not like it's a, an expectation, like, oh, everything, the world no. is going to support me. But I think it's a, a recognition of trust in, yes. in whatever situation you are in. You have to, you can't, I can't impose my will on what is. Right. Um, so, so the situation that you're, you're given, you have to look at it 
truthfully and realistically. And then from that point say, well, how am I going to go forward from this? What am I dealing with here? And if I maintain a positive spirit with it, then I will probably expect a good outcome. Like I'm, I'm going to expect a good outcome no matter what. Like even with some of the terrible things in the world, like our, our dwelling, our, our in-depth look at my September 11th experience, I think, mm-hmm. oh my God, I lived it and I really don't care because uh, it has given me a different perspective on the world and it's allowed me to understand that I will still continue to have trust and faith in the goodness of the world. Love that. I love that. We will and, overcome. Uh, yeah, we always do. The human yeah. spirit prevails. It truly, truly does. And, uh, you know, and as I've said in all my shows, what you put your attention on grows stronger in life. Yes. And so when you're faced with the choice of that being either positive or negative, why would anybody opt not to side and err on positivity? Yeah. You know? Because it, it trickles down with every aspect of your life. It, it, it totally enhances your relationships. It makes you love what you do. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it just, I just love all that stuff. And that's one of the things that I really appreciate about you as a person. You know, never mind all the lovely, yummy stories you bring to the table. <laughs> it, um, you know, it's who you are as a person. And so mm, even you. if you were describing a completely different story with different experiences or you were not household name, I love the spirit of you. Thank you. uh, Yeah, it's beautiful. And so thank you for sharing the gift of you with me and everybody here. It's been a uh, blast, Lisa. Yeah. And so unfortunately, the time has gone so quick, always too quickly. I could do this forever. And um, so we're going to actually exit, not with my usual outro song, but we're going to we're going to exit here with your song that uh, you did for your friend, Brian Johnson. Cool. Yes, and so I just want to say to listeners, thank you for those who have joined us. Um, and, uh, you know, whether you're new listeners, whether you're uh, repeat listeners, it's always a blast to spend time with you, particularly with the first show of the morning. Great way to set the tone for my day. Very grateful to you, Rob, joining us and sharing a, a little bit of your life and your history and your passions with us. And uh, It's and been for, really fun, and I'm, I'm a big fan. I mean, like I said, I'm a fan of your books, but now I'm a fan of your your show as well. Aww, so thanks, well, We'll definitely have you back. So we're going to exit here. Again, my name is Lisa McDonald. You've tuned in to Carpe Diem. I go live Friday every 11.04 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I I can be reached at lisamcdonaldauthor.com for those who are interested in expressing any show ideas or would like to appear as a guest on my show. So, again, the show, the song that we're exiting with is Love One Another, Brian Johnson, Purchase on Bandcamp. Thank you. Have a wonderful day.
expressed on contacttalkradio.com are those of the guest hosts and callers and not necessarily of this station, its management, or other advertisers. Looking to tighten tone and firm? This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.